This time on Matters. The merits of Terminator 2. Porn is cheap. Film is expensive. The Shining, The Shining, both are perfect. All this and more on this exciting episode of Matters. His name is Matt. His name is Matt. And that's all that matters. Yeah. Welcome to Matters, where two guys named Matt talk about what matters to them. I'm Matt Noss. With me across the table is Matt Rose. How you doing, Matty? Yeah, that buddy. That is like two weeks in a row. Successfully held off a yawn. I loved it. I saw your face while I was <laughs> that doing was determination. That's what that was. <laughs> you were gutting it out, and I, I was I was stomping that yawn down because <laughs> you gotta stay pumped. Because joining us in the Matter Studio today in the Matters Bungalow. <laughs> <laughs> you know him from an advertisement for Specs Howard. <laughs> you know him from his 24 appearances in Hanging or Wanging. <laughs> you know him from just being a great guy. Please welcome to the show, Josh Campos. Woo, Shimon, you wonderful people. Shimon. I love it. How are you doing, Josh? I am fantastic. Thanks for having me on, guys. Thank you for doing it. Uh, it's funny. It's a long time coming, I think. I'm going to just say every guest is a long time coming right now. <laughs> yeah. Unless I just met them. <laughs> yeah, like like Leah Gibbard. Exactly. She she was not a long time coming because she won a contest to be on the show. <laughs> right. But then, in retrospect, I would have loved to have had her on. Yeah. There you go. Um, we could have her on again. We could have her on again. Uh, and I can I can tell you, I can tell you this, Josh. I'll tell you this for free. <laughs> I like free. Um, I recently, Matt and I had the conversation that we want to make sure that every episode of Matters has a guest. And um, I opened it up, and Leah's boyfriend, Mike, will be joining us in, no about, in about three weeks. Oh, my gosh. All right. That's, in, that's insane. Yeah. So let the circle be unbroken. I can dig it. Josh, here's how things work on Matters. Uh, we just talk. That's pretty <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> That's it in a nutshell. (laughs) Um, So if you had something that was near and dear to your heart that you wanted to talk about, we can do that. If not, uh, already before the tape was rolling, because of course we're using tape. It's such an audiophile. I mean, you can hear the pristine pristine quality that we have. Well, I mean, the first season, we would just actually cut our own wax. That is correct. (laughs) We did a lot on wax cylinders. I love your reel-to-reel. It looks really nice. Yeah. Yeah. You can hear the hissing from the analog. It's a task. Yeah. <laughs> uh, before the, before uh, we started the show, you and Matt, and this is why I knew that I'm like, we got to get you on the show. You guys were talking horror. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yep. Well, yeah. I mean, I I will do that to anybody. So <laughs> you'll you'll drop a reference like Matt will be like, Matt will just like season conversation and he's like, Yint uh, Fulci, and then somebody will be like, yes, Boom. and then I'm like, I look at his eyes and he's like. I might have a friend for life here. Pretty much. Game on. Yeah. Game on. <laughs> yeah, you can't quit me now. Yeah. Um, a, a buddy of mine that I uh, I just had a beer with on Friday, um, he worked, uh, he was part of the kitchen staff at Black Lotus. And I had, I had seen him there <coughs> a few times, uh, but I didn't really talk to him. And then one day... He got off work and he was wearing a maniac t-shirt, and I was like, "Nice, are you? 
are you wearing a maniac t-shirt? And people who were listening could not tell <laughs> that I said, are you? And then I, I looked both <laughs> ways and then looked back because that's what I did. <laughs> like I had to do like a double take on my own. Are you wearing a maniac t-shirt? I was like, yeah, love that movie. Or it was like, holy shit. So uh, ever since whenever Fast I friends. see him, yeah, whenever I see him, it's just off to the races. We're talking about whatever. I have to ask because I don't have the I don't have a horror pedigree. Yeah. Like even though that we do uh <laughs> transmissions from the dark side, we're watching Tales from the Dark Side, which is not really horror. There has there's only been like one or two episodes that I would be like, all right, this is horror. <laughs> yeah. It's more like Ooh. It's just bad camp and it's wonderful. It's so fantastic. <sighs> that but, and like Tales from the Crypt. Tales from the Crypt, I, I would put, I would put I more, more legit horror than was, Tales from the still Dark campy. Side. Well, oh, the, campy as fuck. They had DC comics. They had yeah. the good camp in, in Tales they from did. the Crypt. Tales from the Dark Side was just like, hey, you guys got any uh, scripts left over? I think that's what that was. <laughs> was well, little, yeah. we had a couple of scripts, but they weren't stapled together and they fell out on the floor. So we can just like. Scoop them back just up. Grab three pieces <laughs> of paper and run out. Good enough. I got these old VHSs that we could record over, and then we could put that out on TV. Sweet. <laughs> it's amazing what three hundred thousand dollars could do for you Gosh. in nineteen eighty-two. What is what's your go-to? Like, if somebody was like, "Well, I don't know," horror-wise, what's what's your go-to? Um, like, what what's the movie that like? You're like, oh, nope, this is the one. You got to see this. But it can't be The Shining or The Exorcist. Sorry, me. I had to take those no. two out of the running. I hear you. The Shining is still one of my favorites. Uh, oh, I love that movie. I've seen that movie in the theater like anywhere between like five to ten times now. And every I've seen time it a bunch the, of times, it, too. Every time it comes around, I'll go see it, specifically just to see the blood come out of the elevators oh, on a giant screen. Yeah, that's, that's fantastic. It's visually amazing. Or... Um, and I know I know this sounds weird, but I can remember um, seeing it in a theater when I went to Western, and the scenes in the bathroom when he's talking to Grady, oh, yeah. and it's like the almost perfectly white bathrooms, but with the red so and the black in it, it's just it looks so beautiful on a huge screen. That yeah. whole movie looks it's beautiful so widescreen yeah it's so like a wide angle lens like a very mm -hmm. almost all static shots oh yeah i mean it just the well i mean did you see room 237 i did it's pretty insane it's it's so nuts. insane i tied that to like nazism and all kinds of bonkers or stuff. or uh the american policy on resettlement of yes. like american the, indians, the indians and stuff well, they do mention, like, even in the movie, that, like, the hotel was built the on a burial ground. ground. And, but like, the design a, is inspired by, it, yeah. It's kind of, like, such a throwaway line that you might not catch it if you're not paying attention. Mm -hmm. um, the only part of that movie that I really, really liked is the guy who is trying to make sense of the layout of the hotel. Oh, my gosh, yeah. That part. Because the office doesn't exist. Where he first has the uh, interview because they were really trying to figure that out, and I'm yeah. like, I I got nothing yeah, like for they you. drew the schematics, they made walls, and they were like, okay, so he's on, he's in this hallway, so this is where room two thirty seven is, right. but this is where the girls are, and this like where everything happens, and it's just like, well, the girls were more in more than one location, yes, but like 
I think their murder happened in 237. I think, I think the it happened, happened outside, in the, of, outside of 237. Right in that hallway, because there's a couple of those like quick flash frames of the, the Oh, the bodies, and the, in the in blood that. everywhere, yeah. Yeah, that's kind of what I figured. But I liked I liked that part of the movie. The Apollo 13 one cracks me up. I appreciate oh, about, it. About uh, Kubrick filming yeah, the, the moon, moon landing. landing. I mean, that, the- that conspiracy theory, I mean, the way they tie it, it doesn't sound far off, but it's still ridiculous. But this, <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah, I, I, yeah. But the one that made me laugh the hardest was the guy that was like, Kubrick put a lot of jokes in this movie. <laughs> a lot of jokes that you may not have noticed. And they show the scene in the office, and he's holding a stapler, and he goes, "Oh my god, yeah, that's his penis." Yep. <laughs> <laughs> if you freeze oh, it right there, at that one second, he's oh, got a penis hanging out. Jeez. <laughs> I was uh, like, "Huh?" Yeah, it's uh, as I've gotten like when I watched more of it and got through the documentary, I'm like, "This is just a bunch of fan kids throwing around conspiracy theories." Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. I don't think any yeah. of this is professionally done, besides the look of the of the actual documentary. I think that uh, I think that they because I mean the movie is really long. Yeah, I never realized how long that movie how actually long was. Is it's it? like two and a half hours. It's it's over two and a half hours. Really? I think it's like two hours and thirty eight minutes long. Yeah, it is like a Zack Snyder or movie. Eighty two. Okay. Or something. <laughs> That yeah, movie it is cooks. ridiculously. Yeah. Because I've watched it uh like my last semester at Western. I went to Video Hits Plus, nice. uh, which was the beautiful video store out there. Uh, three stories. And I rented The Shining and South Park Bigger, Longer, and Uncut. <laughs> and I just would watch one, take it out, watch the other while I like played Diablo. <laughs> like it would be running the shining while I'd be playing Diablo. And I must have watched the movie on video yeah. twenty times because it just was in the wow. five days it was like always on. Yeah. Holy uh, smoke. I, yeah. I loved those movies, especially like on a VCR or VHS <laughs> tape that you just left in the VCR and you just would randomly put turn it on mm-hmm. at whatever it stopped before. I did have a handful of movies that the tape eventually broke. I broke the VCR because I would just play it all the time. Yeah, I I loved the six hour, like long play tapes where you could record yep. stuff, and I had the best tape of all time because it had Die Hard, Ooh. Aliens, and Monster Squad. <laughs> That's a nice trifecta right there. Oh yeah, you could just put that on and leave it on. Until it got to the end of the tape, <laughs> and then rewind that motherfucker and start again. Yep. So I have seen all three of those movies more than most human beings. I've seen, I've probably seen Monster Squad more than Fred Decker has. <laughs> 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 and yeah, I and I mean like Matt knows my love of aliens. Aliens. Just watched that not too long ago again. Although not. A ter- like not like Alien, which scares me to this day. Yeah, uh, Aliens is not super scary, but that movie is it's tense. It's intense. James Cameron, right? James yeah. Cameron. Yes. Ooh, man, he knows how to write a sequel. Oh, he really does. Terminator Two, possibly one, in my opinion, one of the best uh, sequel action films, and that movie stands alone on itself. It doesn't need like a, oh, a prequel. Terminator. Two and Ooh. Aliens yeah. are both examples of alone. how to do sequels. Aliens well, Aliens is nearly perfect. Oh, I I cannot right. I cannot talk enough about those two movies. Gorgeous. Oh yeah, and I mean like the the director of photography, the music, the editing, 
um i don't remember if you watched any of the special features yeah, for the for the almost aliens. all of them yeah where like they almost had some real mishaps on the set for aliens because they started having trouble with the union and it was like james cameron this was his first big movie after terminator Man. like he had to like I, I you you remember what i'm talking about right mm-hmm. And there's this, there were a bunch of union guys because uh, they were filming at. In the UK, I think. Yeah, but Brandywine. They were filming at Brandywine Studios. And there were a couple guys who were just like, I'm not going to listen to some 20 something or 30 something American. I'm going to I'm gonna do what I want. And if he doesn't like it, then I'm just going to sit down and not do anything. And the rest of the crew will follow me. And he had to find some way to get these guys to go along with him. Um, but they still ended up making, in my opinion, one of the best American movies ever made. I love Aliens more than I can possibly. Like that is one of my top three movies. Yeah, it's one of my. Uh, I think that's like a like. Uh, now I'm stumbling, but uh, yeah, I I totally agree. Uh, nowadays, like when I look at those films, I really really pay attention to what they were doing. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I, I go to movies like uh, go see a movie once a week in the theater and I'll see anything at this point because I have movie pass. So mm-hmm. it really doesn't matter. I'll see a crap movie. And what I pay attention to is like, how is this executed? How is the story written? <coughs> how is the acting? How is the editing? Like, how yeah. is everything doing? Like these people, like some of the worst movies that come out in a the theater, like these people put real money into this. People mm-hmm. on, and that were in a union made this piece of crap. Like yeah. thousands and thousands and hundreds of thousands of dollars to make a horrible flop, and they yeah. paid it. You know, it's uh, it it blows my mind. So I really, really pay attention now to the storytelling, like the script. Um, even if the script is really good and everything else is good, the acting can be really terrible, or vice versa. Yeah. The acting yeah. can be phenomenal, and everything else is just garbage. Yeah, I it's mean, really, really it's, fascinating. It's, it's funny to see how good acting can elevate a mediocre script. Yeah. right. I mean, they took time on terrible scenes just to set the lighting for like three hours Mm -hmm. just to write this horrible joke for a a bit of like three or whatever it is just terrible terrible filmmaking but they did it blows my mind but yeah but the craftsmanship is still in it yeah yeah it's it's when you start to go because like you know you've you've got kind of a um a, a bell curve a little bit where you've well no i guess it wouldn't really be a bell curve would it um where you trying to think of what the kind of graph is called but it doesn't matter uh but you know you've you've got on on one end um expensive movies with really big budgets and on the other end you've got shoestring budgets with a crew of amateurs and volunteers and sometimes that crew of amateurs and volunteers can put out a better movie than the big budget with everybody doing it because those volunteers are putting everything into it and the huge budget movie is just going through the motions it really really is yeah. i've seen that i mean we've all seen that like a million different times over and some of those smaller uh films like uh the one movie that just came out i don't think it's in the theater anymore uh unsane mm-hmm. the uh, so- the soderbergh movie yeah it, yep. it, it didn't look really that good the plot didn't look really that good but then i found out that it was shot in on 10 iPhone. days on an iphone blows my mind Whoa. Yeah, he shut yeah. the whole thing on iPhone. 
halfway well, floor there as was, me. Um, I'm sure there was all kinds of lighting and extra grip and stuff like that outside of the actual camera or whatever, but I was watching some of the trailers. I'm like, that looks really, really clean. Mm-hmm. It is. It's funny that you say that because I, I when I think of like shoestring budgets, like El Mariachi is usually one of the first I movies. Just I talking think to someone about that the other day. That Rodriguez, like they had nothing. Seven thousand dollars. <laughs> I Rod, Robert Rodriguez is probably one of my heroes in film as a director because he uh, he fought the union and won. Because uh, when he was doing Full Tilt or not Full Tilt Boogie, uh, uh, from Dustal Dawn, which mm-hmm. Full Tilt Boogie was the documentary, yeah. and while they were doing that, the union was trying to sue him, and the MPAA was trying to sue him because he wasn't using union people, because mm-hmm. he's a one-man band, but he was with Miramax at that time, mm-hmm. and that's a union House. company, even yeah, though yeah, yeah. they were very, very independent. Mm-hmm. Um, they were trying to sue him, and he eventually won, and then I think from what I remember hearing, because he was doing a bunch of interviews about a couple years ago, and uh, he basically walked away from the union, and was still able to do the things he wants to do. I don't know how that works, but like one of my favorite things is he was that self-made uh, director and had lots of great ideas. It was really consistent. He wasn't like a, a one-trick pony. Mm-hmm. And then he, as he got older and had kids, you know, most directors or actors start doing like kid films, <clears> which is great, whatever. Uh, but he did. He wrote and directed Spy Kids, and mm-hmm. that obviously was for his kids, but. Children movies are instant cash cows no matter what they are. Mm-hmm. That's going to instantly sell out theaters no matter what you do. It doesn't even have to be connected to a fairy tale book or anything like mm-hmm. that. And he did that so he could continue doing the other movies that fail in the theater. Right. Like uh, Machete and Machete Kills, which I, I saw all of them in the theater. I, 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 I saw see Machete in, space. in the theaters. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it, it's the same thing with uh, when he did, um, not from Dust Till Dawn, um, Planet Terror. Zon- yes, it's one. That's one of my favorite zombie oh, movies. Oh, I love Planet Terror. I I was uh, just talking scenes- to Jen Hansen. Uh, oh, geez, maybe a week or two ago, uh, because it was either IFC or Sundance, but they <coughs> they had uh, the Grindhouse movies, but they weren't playing Ground Grindhouse. They were pay- playing the separate movies, and so. Essentially, they were playing the director's cuts of both movies, okay. but back to back. Um, so without the trailers, which is unfortunate, because the trailers—that's how Machete got made. Yeah, that is. And uh, Hobo with a shotgun, right? And Hobo with a shotgun. That's yeah. right. I totally forgot about that. Oh man! Um, but uh, Thanksgiving. <laughs> so bad. They I love it. Those. So I'm one of the people who thinks that Death Proof is a very undervalued movie. It's a I, tough sell, man. I know what he's trying real, to do. It's and what real is, talky. Um, some of that dialogue just goes nowhere, and it's Tarantino being Tarantino instead of really doing justice to the film that he was doing an homage to, if you will. Well, I think he was trying to do that for a bunch of movies. It wasn't just yeah. like... Because, I mean, when you, when you watch Planet Terror... Um, he was he was very inspired by Nightmare City, and so nice. he he had a lot of aesthetic from that, and then just a lot of the early '80s schlocky, and not just zombie movies. Sometimes it was infected, so like uh, mutant and and stuff like that. He had, you know, he had a very defined aesthetic and a, and a specific type 
of movie where uh, Tarantino was kind of all over the place in his, where there's the female revenge movie, right? Um, where there's the um, like I don't want to say drag racing, but like, um, like gone in like sixty a- seconds and stuff like that, where you know y- your car movies, right? Dual. Um, and then like your your stalker movies too, because then you've got. Kurt Russell as the stalker. So you've you've got a whole bunch of different things meeting. That movie had two things for me going for it from the get-go. And that was one, Kurt Russell. Yeah. Two, um, Rosario Dawson. Yeah. Either of those things will get me to watch a movie, even if it's not very good. Right. Put him in the same movie um, and have K and B do the makeup. I'm all on board. Aces. Um, and then, you know, say what you will about Tarantino and his directing style, his uh, his dialogue. Because, you know, uh, while I like his movies, I still have issues with a lot of the stuff that he does. But the man can put together a soundtrack. Yes. And the soundtrack for, um, for Death Proof is on point. I need to revisit that then. Um, there's there's some good that shit soundtrack. in there. Uh, the the coaster song is fucking great. Yeah, he really really knows his tunes. Mm-hmm. Um, but so what is your movie? What's your go to? Oh, okay, so uh, lately <clears throat> my movie my go to movie has been and it's not as much horror. It's like horror comedy, but uh, Tucker and Dale versus Evil. Oh God, I love that movie. It's so ridiculous and it's clever. It's it really is, it's, really clever. We got it, your friend. Yeah, You're freaking out. <laughs> it's it's. I, I thought it was just a really, really great, clever concept. It was. It was. It was like I wasn't expecting much. I wasn't either. I kind of uh, just threw it. I, I didn't bother watching it for like a long time, and then I was hanging out with a couple of pals, and they're like, "Let's watch it." I'm like, eh, "All right." And we just like, "This is the greatest well, thing and ever." I couldn't figure out why it had played at Main Art. Yeah, I was like, I, "The movie looks like I, just looking at the it the poster. Bad. It looks yeah. it looks so, it looks dumb. It yeah, looks yeah, sophomore. It, it looks. But then when you watch it, you're like. <laughs> God, this movie's funny. What the fuck? It's really clever. Yeah. And uh, I, I never know the actor's name, uh, the dude, the, the, the blonde hair guy. He's... Um, Alan Tudyk? I think so. He's uh, He was on uh, Firefly. Yep, that's... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he's a weird actor, because he's just done a ton of weird, smaller stuff. Mm-hmm. He was uh, he played the cult leader on Strangers with Candy for, like, a two-part episode. Oh, my God, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's, like, I knew him before I even started watching Firefly or any of, the, like, his later stuff. So he's just oh, wow. been kind of weirdly peppered with these weird characters he, throughout last, like, 20 years. Bruce Wayne's cousin in the short-lived um, show, I think it was called Powerless on NBC, where it was Sounds still, familiar. it still took place in the DC universe, but they, these people worked for... Wayne Industries. Um, oh God, I remember making that. Uh, remember making that. stuff for people to protect themselves from supervillains, and so he played Bruce Wayne's cousin, and he <laughs> was just <laughs> such a pompous idiot. Um, and I thought the show was was like it needed a little work, but I thought the show was kind of funny. Um, and it had um, God, what's his name, Ron Funches. Oh, I love Ron Funches, and he was he was uh, he and um Danny Pudi were the two yes. main designers um on the team and it was just those two going back and forth and I forget the I don't remember what the woman's name was that was the other character uh and the team of designers 
but she was she was really funny and she was such a psycho. <laughs> um, but yeah, he just it was so funny to see him play a I character that. that like Absolutely I'm I'm that. not used to him playing that character. Like I've seen him play like you know a hillbilly or a you know a, a fucking spaceship pilot. Right. But to see him play Bruce Wayne's idiot cousin that's even better. was uh, was pretty funny. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, uh, Tuckerdale's been like my go-to. Uh, I'm trying to think of some other ones that were like really solid. Uh, the thing, if you want to get really oh, John weird. Carpenter's the thing. Yeah. Oh hell if, if yeah! You, if you want to get hardcore with someone, John Carpenter is another guy. I saw that the main art. Theater. His oh man. Yeah. Um, I'm, I, I'm always eyeballing that stuff. Oh my hell phone yeah. now curates to like every movie that's playing around like bars, yeah 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 you were talking you were telling me that last week yeah yeah, yeah. Like every time i open up my events it's like here are all the movies playing like redford theater main art theater uh, redford Street redford Side. has some cool redford, shit they're great and they, they bring really in so much cool stuff yeah and it's usually like no we literally had the 70 millimeter print of yes. this movie <laughs> yeah yeah it's yeah I've, like, I've seen a ton of movies the um the week the weekend that george romero died um, I'm sorry. The weekend after George Romero yeah. died, they played Night of the Living Dead. Um, nice. And that day, oh, I do remember that I didn't make it um, because I had my contracting job and I was done with my work week like Friday morning. Um, I watched Night of the Living Dead, Dawn of the Dead, and Day of the Dead in sequence in one nice. after, like in one afternoon. Well, one early afternoon, too late evening. Um, that was a lot of guts, you guys. <laughs> it's hardcore. I have one close to that. So uh, last year, I'm a big David Lynch fan, mm-hmm. and uh, at the uh, DFT, <laughs> the Detroit Film Theater, uh, a new documentary came about about him ca- uh, called The Art Life. Mm-hmm. And uh, each screening after, they would show one of his original films. And so I went down there with a friend, and we were just going to go see that. And uh I was like, I don't know if you really are really into it, but they're showing, uh, was it Lost Highway? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was like, they're doing Lost Highway right after. If you don't want to go, I get it. It's a lot of film at once, but I totally want to do it. She's like, oh my God, it's one of my favorite Lynch films ever. I've never mm-hmm. seen the theater. So we went and saw, back to back, we saw that. And then literally, as soon as that film was over, I ran over to the main art theater to go watch 2001 Space Odyssey. <laughs> so this is like seven hours of heavy, Hard heavy filming. Film. Heavy filming. Wow. Like, really, really brutal. Uh, when the AFI theater in D.C. got a restored 70-millimeter print of 2001, I flew out and I saw it. Yeah, it's worth it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. That, that movie is... Um, visually something that i also think about when i'm kind of thinking about the shining yeah um because you know i mean same director right um but just that guy could really put together a shot and he He took his time oh yeah i mean he took his time too much to the detriment of some of the actors in the scenes but um yeah i mean he really knew how to mess around with color too like yeah he he, did symmetry and color right mm-hmm. yeah and that was kind of his big thing yeah it's it's wild just one of the i'm thinking about 237 again i mean it's coincidence but also believable how kubrick like they play the shining forward and backward at the same time 
So one of the things that they do in the in the documentary, I just gave Matt a weird look that I didn't know what I was talking or what he was talking yeah. about. So there you go. There you go. <laughs> uh, context. Uh, one of the things that they do in the documentary is there are um, some movie houses that are like super independent. They'll get two prints and they'll run one forward and one backwards. Really, and scenes line up like huh. it. Not they're not the same scene, but like there's a clear demarcation point in the beginning of the film. There's clear like parallels that happen and they're probably just coincidence, right? right. Like if you played any movie forward and backward, I can't imagine the I, amount of time you would spend on just doing well, something like that. Okay. So, so let's hold on now. <laughs> um, this is one of the things that I would actually not put past him. Because of how hyper prepared he was for everything he did, like, did you ever hear about the Napoleon movie that he was gonna make? No, where hearing about that, he had like a room full of boxes full of little note cards that he filled up just on notes about the movie. Huh? Wow, nuts. He was nuts. Fantastic filmmaker. Yeah, love his movies. But he was a little out there. Um, and w- one thing that I thought was so funny was hearing Danny Lloyd, uh, the little boy, yeah. um, talk about the movie because he had, he had no a idea. completely different experience yeah. than, Which say, Which is kind of weird because half the scenes in the movie that he's doing are very horror. I mean, just walking around with a butcher knife and saying red rum and then doing it backwards on the, like, I'm not sure what he was thinking, what... That scene was about why, like, maybe he's gonna go cut a birthday cake for his mom. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, you know, uh, yeah. I found that out a while ago. I was like, that's really, really. I mean, it makes sense that they would do that because they didn't want him to know what is, what, know what the hell is happening. Right? It's insane. But I mean, Freak he just out. he he took such painstaking steps to keep him yeah. from knowing, you know, that he was gonna be in a terrifying movie. And I thought that was, you know, I mean, that was cool. Shining. Uh, so in The Shining, what's the most terrifying moment? moment? I, I have mine. I have. I have mine it. too. All right. We'll okay, see. Okay, you guys, is. you guys go for yours first. When I was younger, <clears throat> it was uh, like you know the bodies chopped up in the hallway, like the two little girls. Uh, mm-hmm. That always like freaked me out because it's flash frames. So it, yep. it, it's how it messes with your psyche. As I've gotten older, especially as an adult, uh, the absolute most terrifying scene in that movie is when Jack is in his writing room and Wendy comes up and is talking about the weather, like, it's snowing out. He's like, what do you want me to do about it? And then he's like, well, we'll make some sandwiches and, you know, maybe you and me and Danny can go and, like, you know, go sledding. And he just goes off on her, but not, like, screaming. He's like, when I'm in my room, I'm working. Whether you hear the typewriter or not, and when he hits the typewriter, he has this maniacal look. Mm-hmm. Uh... He's like, what? When you hear that sound, when you don't hear the sound, whatever the fuck it is you hear me doing, I'm working. Don't come in here. And she's freaked out. And it's the most like psychological. And uh, she's she's terrified. She's like, okay. Well, right. And you can and really like, see him starting to unravel. And that made a lot more sense of that type of insanity than him just being crazy right from the get-go. Yep. Uh, and it made sense and explained it. And then, like, right, you know, she's like, okay. And it's like this like long pause, like. No, let's start right now and get the fuck out of here. Mm-hmm. And it's like, for me, it's like the most terrifying like idea of like spousal abuse. Like that psychological right. that you would put another woman or a human being through mm-hmm. without even physically touching them. 
You know what I mean? Like she was always timid because he's like that. Mm-hmm. You know, when he was an alcoholic and a dry right. drunk, like all that stuff kind of was always come out. So that, in my opinion, as an adult, being in relationships and respecting women, respecting people and all this kind of stuff that and, and like watching my parents because they would go back and forth. And uh, that type of abuse is horrifying. Mm-hmm. So if, to me, in that, in that movie now as an adult, that is the absolute most terrifying scene in that movie. Mm-hmm. It really messes with me. Wow. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. It freaks me out. Yeah. What's yours, Manny? Mine's pretty simple. <laughs> Mine's very simple. It is the classic scene where you walk up to the room and you see someone laying down. Yep. And he pops up. And then a guy in a bear suit oh, pops God. up. And it's never really explained. That's what scares me yeah. to death. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> guys, guys, it's a bear suit blowjob. That's, yeah. that's what it is. That is. The book explains what they're doing and what that party was all about. So I have not read the book. I have the book. I am getting through it. Ooh, and that's a tough one to get through. It's I, great. I'm, yeah, I mean, I'm... <laughs> I have really pushed my way through that. It has taken me a year because, you know, I get other stuff going on, but I'm... It's like over a thousand pages and very tiny... It's print. almost 1,200 pages. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah tiny type. Um, I am at, like, 860 right now. So I've still oh, got, pretty... what, you know, what would be another book for right. other writers... And I've got, you know, a couple more chapters for this book. Um, but The Shining's on the list. But I've, I mean, I have like literally a, a stack of books like that on my nightstand where it's like, oh, well, when I'm, once I'm done with that, I've got a million other things. Right. But don't tell me what the party was about. I will um, But mine is very related to what yours is, Matt. And it's when the veil comes down. And everything just starts to go oh, fucking bananas in the I hotel just everything and comes you, to life you start to hear kind of like the vibra slap oh. and then the pump like you know and you can hear to someone hitting a i don't know piece of wood and it's it's them running through the hotel and everything is it's, just starting to go yeah it's everything nuts. Because well, that's when uh, Wendy can finally, uh, she starts seeing stuff. Yes. That's when she sees the bear. Yeah. Uh, she opens like the, the ballroom and mm-hmm. it's all the skeletons. skeletons. Yep, yep, and yep, it's like yep. they're all live talking and touching her, yep. which is terrifying. Yeah, that's, that's for me. When that veil finally yep. comes down, it's like, oh, well, fuck. <laughs> this, this is bad for them and bad for me. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, that, that for me is... As soon as she gains the ability to see what the hotel really is. Yeah. Because this is what Danny's been able to do the whole time, right? Everyone can see besides her Mm because she doesn't have this. And uh, the one thing I liked, uh, I I loved the book. And um, there's a reason why Stephen King hated uh, Kubrick's version and Mm -hmm. why he made a really bad uh, miniseries, which I used to own. Don't tell anyone. Hey, I recorded up. I recorded <laughs> it and I watched it. I I remember that mini series. Yeah, I did too. Steven Weber isn't Chuck Nicholson, but he was still he a fine a guy in a, he, he was he a fine guy in his yeah. own right. Yeah. But when it, it was this is gonna be kind of a strange analogy that also goes back to Jack Nicholson, but it it was kind of when people heard that Heath Ledger was gonna be the Joker. There were a couple oh, different the, reactions, but I the two main reactions. Like, what? The the two yeah. main reactions that I heard were no one is ever going to be able to live up to Nicholson, right? And you, which pick, is now kind of silly to think this guy, right? Yeah, 
And yeah, ten and things I now, hate about you. Yeah, now <laughs> what people have to live up to is Ledger. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and, Nicholson's gone from that yeah. idea. <clears throat> I mean, dude died as the Joker, so. Yeah, pretty much. You know, good, good luck topping that. You know, you did what you could, Leto, but <laughs> just, yeah. you know, there were so many things wrong with that. We don't have to talk about it. Um, But, <laughs> th- you know, I think that that was kind of Weber fell into the Jack Torrance trap, right? Where, like, it was a you lot had to, to live up to you know, uh, what wasn't necessarily a career defining role for Nicholson, right. but which is something that is definitely associated with his right. career. Exactly. Well, here's Johnny is iconic. Oh yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Like you, it's one of the same, if you, even if it's you've never the seen most, the movie, it's the most quoted part from that film. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. And so many jokes. So many, oh so many oh, visual man. gags. The shinning, love, the shinning. I was about to say, it's one of my favorite uh, Treehouse of Horror from the Simpsons. Oh God. It's just, my favorite bit is when uh, uh, Marge is uh, using the CB radio to talk to Wiggum. Oh, over? Like, yeah. Oh, thank God that's over. <laughs> My husband's going crazy. He's trying to kill us all. Over. Wow. Thank God that's over. Click. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> it's such a great joke. It's such a great bit. Well, I mean, there isn't, in my opinion, a joke in that entire thing that fails. Yeah. Yeah. Um. <laughs> but when you were like, "Here's Johnny, wrong room." Oh, David God. Letterman, <laughs> finally, yes, I go to sixty minutes. minutes. <laughs> I'm Grandpa, <laughs> which they left behind in the beginning. Um, I don't want to do too much about The Shining because I'd like to talk about some other stuff. If we got time? Yeah, we totally got okay, time. Cool. Let's take a quick break right, right cool. now, mm-hmm. and we'll come back with more matters after this. During the break, uh, Matt and Josh were talking while I went downstairs and uh, helped my wife with the baby a little bit. So I'm going to say, hey, fellas, what you talking about? (laughs) 
So uh, before we went to the break, I wanted to talk a little bit more about The Shining and some of the things that I found really fascinating. Uh, when uh, Stephen King's book, when he wrote that, um, there was a, a new forward in the book uh, a handful of years ago, and he was talking about uh, with his editor when they were creating the story and how they wanted the story to go. And in the book, they were debating on should the hotel just be haunted and they just start messing with, you know, start fucking with Jack and just get to Danny and that's it? Or should it really focus on Jack's alcoholism and trying to be a recovering alcoholic and, uh, and, and going into this situation where you're cut off from any kind of real help? Like, he's about five or six months sober <clears throat> when he goes into the hotel. Uh, and then, like, you know, a month or two goes by, and then they're just in, like, nonstop seclusion. So he can't call a sponsor. You can't call anyone like, that he's having, like, urges. Um, and in, in the book, too, psychologically, was really focused on the way an alcoholic brain works of, you know, focusing on the past all the time. And, like, he's always upset that because he thinks that Wendy won't let go of the time when he accidentally broke Danny's arm. So the way he writes his characters in the story, by the time he starts doing insane shit, and, and when the hotel starts coming alive, it starts making sense. Mm. You might not be on board with it, but it starts like, yeah, you know what? She is kind of a bitch because she's she won't let him off the hook for these kind of things. So I always thought that was like really, really, really fascinating. And when they did that with the, uh, the miniseries, which was... Not great, but it was good enough. Uh, they, they focus a lot more on that, about uh, him being sober and going into seclusion and secluding himself off with the family. So he has no one to talk to besides what's running around constantly in his brain. And that's how the hotel figures out, we got this guy. Because it, it might be hard enough to like mess with someone, but this dude's an alcoholic. And, and even better, he's a recovering alcoholic. So like you, you take that veil of the alcohol away and you just have this angry, dry drunk that has no one to talk to and that no one can relate to him with. And that's how the hotel figured out this is how we can get to him to get to Danny, which I always thought was really, really, really fascinating. Because in the movie, uh, obviously, you know, they talk a lot about the alcoholism, but that's not the main focus. But it's still there. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's more of like the hotel is automatically haunted as soon as he gets there. He's already kind of crazy in that interview. He already looks nuts, you know? Right. He looks mm -hmm. like something's wrong. Right <laughs> off the bat, like, he was already crazy to begin with, so it didn't take much for the hotel to get at him besides him, you know, trying to not drink. Um, and uh, I'll make this little quick story. Uh, this is a couple years ago. I went on a date with this girl. It was the first date. And uh, we went to the uh, Redford Theater. She said she hadn't, they were showing The Shining. She's like, I hadn't seen it since I was a kid. I was like, oh, we should totally go see it, especially at the theater. Right. And so we go. And after the movie's over, uh, uh, I was like, so what'd you think? You know, it's been so long. She's like, so the hotel was haunted? <laughs> like, that was literally her response. <coughs> I never saw her again after that night. <laughs> yeah. Like, that just blew my... Like, I don't have a lot of those kind of standards. Like, you have to know these certain films where we can't hang out. Like, I'm not that, like, hardcore. Like, right. you have to listen to these certain albums where we can't hang out. Like, it's cool to listen and watch whatever. But, like... You sat really? through that whole movie, and that's what you had to say. Like, yeah, and we end up, like, having a discussion. So, like, well, I don't understand with Danny and, like, this and that. And, like, the hotel was messing with Jack, but how and why? I was like, he's a recovering alcoholic. How, yeah, do, how, how do you not see, like, the rage? Like, he's, like, like the one scene where he's walking down the hallway after uh, the chick strangles Danny in, the, in 237. Um, and he's, and he's like, wait, he's wait talking to himself. Oh, oh, oh. He's like, he's thrashing yeah. his yeah, arms yeah, yeah, down yeah, yeah, the yeah. hallway. That's that typical mindset. I wouldn't say a typical mindset, but that's how people like, 
you know, they're stuck in the past because while he's walking down the hallway, because they're talking about the broken arm. And so his brain is just constantly just, he has no one to talk to about this. We're like, well, you know, if he had a sponsor, like, well, I mean, you never really did anything to rectify the situation. Mm-hmm. You blamed it on Danny still. You never took responsibility on top of the fact that you were drinking still heavily. Yeah. You know, and then he socked a kid at Stovington, which they talk about in the miniseries and in the book. I don't think they mention a whole lot. Uh, Besides him wearing the Stovington they, T-shirt. Yeah, I don't in the think, beginning. I don't think they. It's it's just a light mm, reference. Yeah. Um, but I always just thought that was really really fascinating, uh, and that's why Stephen King really hated Kubrick's version because Kubrick didn't really focus as much on the alcoholism. He focused on the visual effects in the hotel, just mm-hmm. basically almost automatically being alive and Jack already being crazy. Mm. Uh, so I just thought that was just a very, very fast. So when you watch the movie, whether it's the original one or the, the miniseries, like you can, like when he's like walking down that hallway and he's, he's talking to himself, you know, and that's like people are having these conversations with themselves, with people. In, in theory, the ghosts are his family and his demons. Mm-hmm. And that's what he's really wrestling with. And the hotel is actually haunted. And so they know how to like, get inside the demons he's already wrestling with. Mm-hmm. And that's why he's, like, talking to himself. It's not even really, like, the hotel or, like, he's, like, talking to himself at that point, you know, and complaining about, like, she's such a bitch. It's more like the hotel's like, yeah, just poking him. Like, yeah, she is a bitch. She did do this. She won't let you... Uh, uh, right. They're she the, won't they're the bad influence. This. Right, right, right. Yeah. Like yeah, yeah. They're feeding is, into his darker tendencies. And he has tendencies. that weak mind because he has no one that's well, rational right. to talk to. Like, uh, the, the hotel is kind of like an amplifier, too, yes, right? That's, yeah. that's basically what it is. They're amplifying all his demons and stuff that he's struggling with because because they figured it out, you know. And Danny's a kid; he's really well, smart. But and doesn't it also amplify Danny though? Yeah, and his ability. I think so. Yeah. And while we were talking too, the one question I always kind of wondered—it's uh, never explained in the book or in any of the versions of the film—is what would actually happen if Jack succeeded in killing Danny? What would happen to that hotel, and what would happen to Jack? I mean, mm. we already know that Jack was already going to be a part of the hotel. He'd go to Shawshank, for sure. There you go. Um, <laughs> <laughs> where's Rita Hayworth? Um, but, uh, Andy Dufresne. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I always kind of wonder, because it, it never really explains. He just has this power that the hotel wants, but what happens when they get that power? Does the hotel just come to life, and then they're just having a giant party? And then like, what happens when spring comes and, and people start I would, showing up i would imagine and this is this is just me and my ideas um that they they themselves are haunted yeah they would never really be able to get away from where they are they're they're anchored to the overlook whether they realize it or not they are just a black hole for other lost souls and as more and more people come to the hotel they're just grabbing them and pulling them in they're never they're never gonna get away okay getting getting a million dannies isn't going to get them out they're just going to get that much. They're just because that's what dragon. I always kind of took away from the picture of him at the end. Well, is I that figured that out with Jack. That makes sense, but Danny specifically, because he has that power, Jack has nothing. He mm-hmm. just ends up becoming a, ho- a part of the hotel because he got that far into it. But with Jack, with Danny, with that, with that power, what besides being able to like see into the future and all these kind of things, like what 
what does that do for the hotel? What does it do for these demons or these ghosts or whatever? And I was always wondered like what that would actually entail. And sometimes you don't want to know because Stephen King writes terrible endings. He blows up everything. <laughs> he blew up The Stand. He blew up uh, Carrie. He blew up Needful Things. He blew up The Shining. Oh, and don't they light Salem's Lot on fire? Yeah. When, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Needful Things was like one of the last stories uh, in Castle Rock. Um, oh, he's he's not doing things in Castle Rock. He might still be, but that was one of the last uh, ones because they had a handful of stories of uh, Castle Rock. Um, but that was supposedly supposed to be. He may have created some more after that. I don't know, but uh, yeah, either that. Uh, yeah, The Stand. I read that book. I was pissed. I was so angry because oh, I, you I, didn't you didn't like that Las Vegas goes up in flames. I'm fine with well, of course, but they blow it up again. Like the trash can man shows up. Oh. Uh, with well, a nuclear bomb and accidentally blows everyone up, and then they slowly start re- rebuild. Like no one really took us. Well, and I think the he trash was Max can Hedrum. Man, the <laughs> Matt Frewer did play him. Yeah, yeah, it was, um, was like ah, oh, it's Max Hedrum. Sweet. Did you read Salem's Lot? The book? I did not. Oh I my god, it. that is, in my opinion, I heard that's one that of is the... a very undervalued book from what i've understood as well too um i have read that book many times i bought what i did not know when i was younger was an illegal copy of the book nice uh well because i bought it and it didn't have its cover oh oh okay those are not legal copies it explains why it was a dollar but um yeah i i bought a, a copy of it and i was hooked I read it in a couple days, man. Because uh, I was I was up in Manistee with my family, and we went on vacation. And my brother and sister no longer came on vacation with us. <coughs> and you know, I needed something to do, so I bought. You know, I loved the miniseries when I was a kid. I mean, fucking Toby Hooper made man. a miniseries. Do you know who was supposed to originally do Salem's Lot? No, George Romero. Really? Yep. Um, but so, um, I loved Salem's Lot from when I was a kid. I knew the basic plot, but King does what King always does, really goes into motivations for characters, right? provides a lot of backstory. That's and then why there's it starts a lot of, making sense when that weird shit starts yeah. happening. Like, you're kind of almost on board. Or like, I'm not on board, but this makes sense of his choices. Like, this makes sense right. of why he's trying to kill Danny now yeah. and why he wants to, like, knock the shit out of uh, Wendy. Yeah, and, and for Salem's Lot, it goes into how... In his interpretation, vampires are more of a disease yep. than they are, um, you know, monsters coming in to get you. It's he he does a really good job of showing the exponential growth, you know, the 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 Fibonacci of vampires, where it starts with uh, I think it was the one Glick boy. And then it goes to the Glick Boy's brother. Then it goes to the mom. And then it just is wildfire where more and more and more. Where, like, you start to notice kids aren't coming to school. You start to notice people aren't yeah. coming into work. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, well, this town is a fucking dumpster fire now. <laughs> right. Um, and dealing with the bomb, or not the bomb, uh, the guy who runs the garbage dump has, like, some really scary scene like i remember 
because there were two rooms to where we went on vacation. My parents were in one and I was in the other. And this was like a glorified um, cabin that we rented from this one woman. So I had like one light over me and then it was like, all right, we're in the middle of the fucking woods. As soon as I turn this light yeah. out, it's fucking vampire time all That's around the jam. me. Yeah. And so I just, it was like, all right, the way that I can stave off having to turn the light <laughs> off is to just keep on reading. Yep. And then, you know, <laughs> once once your eyelids Infallible. get so heavy. It's yeah. like speed for, like, horror reading. <laughs> like, once you stop, it blows up. Yeah, yeah. And like, come, I, I, would, for you. I would never read the William Peter Blatty's uh, Exorcist. No, mm. thank you. Not going to read it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but so I know that I took Exorcist and... Uh, and shining off the table, right. and you gave Dale and Tucker. I got a couple other good ones too, but go ahead. Uh, well, I was just kind of I w- I was gonna say like the reason why I took those off is because those are usually the yeah. two that I hear the most, right, right. And then you know um, sometimes hearing the the person talk about. Um, this particular aspect or that t- particular aspect of horror that they like, I'll go for subgenres because, okay. like, I can I can like just get more and more and more granular, right? You know, where it's like, oh, zombie movies. Well, are we talking Italian? Are yeah. we talking English? Are we talking Spanish? Or are we talking zombie comedy? Right? Are we talking zombie action? Like, what? What? Are they do slow? You... Or are they fast? Yeah, There's yeah. A lot. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, and so you know. I took those two off just because those typically are the safest two. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And so what would you say your go-to horror action? Uh, horror action. Um, right now off the top of my head is uh, Planet Terror, which I know we were just talking about. Planet so I don't necessarily Planet's- know if that would really count. Um, no, I don't, that, that definitely counts because okay. I, I do think that that falls into action as well for me. One hundred percent, Dawn of the Dead, the original Dawn of the Dead. Okay, <coughs> because that, if you were to replace zombies with terrorists, yep, zombies with gang, yeah, movie still holds up. Yeah, and I think that because I I will never forget the first time Matt watched that movie <laughs> because I got the director's cut from Suncoast. That was yeah. The name of, and it came in the coolest fucking box set. This was VHS. Nice. It came with the original American, the director's cut, and the Italian cut, which is a shorter cut. Okay. Um, and it was just Ken Foray in the gas mask um, on the cover. And it was like, oh, man, that is the coolest packaging. <laughs> um, but Matt had never seen it, and we put it in. And at the end of the movie... <laughs> Matt just looks at me and goes, Oof. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Tom Savini shows up on motorcycle. Tom Savini Got shows up. <coughs> just that, oh, man. That that part of the movie always reminds me of Fist of the North Star. I don't know if I've seen that. So Fist of the North Star is an anime about Kenshiro, okay. the Fist of the North Star. 
who's uh, trying to get his uh, wife slash girlfriend back from uh, the Fist of the South Star. <laughs> sure. Wasn't the Fist of the South Star played by James Avery? Uh, the voiced in English by James Avery, uh, Uncle Phil? Probably. Ah, the Shredder. <laughs> Probably. Um, I, I, I'm pretty sure he was. So uh, they <laughs> practice this art, this you know martial art that is like of the seven stars. And basically, if you challenge Kenshiro to a fight and you lose, you die. And I loved it. Yeah. Because it is absolutely Mad Max meets meets zombie apocalypse. That's just a good time right there. (laughs) Like, seriously. (laughs) It's just a good time. (laughs) And Kenshiro is, like, just wearing, like, blue jeans. And he's... It's anime, so yeah. like he's jacked. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just like, but he'll be facing these monsters uh, that are ten times taller than him, and it'll just be like seven star strike, and it's just like him. And then like their their head explodes. Their fucking yeah. brains are everywhere. I love it so much, and and that moment of Dawn of the Dead, I was like, it was like Fist of the North Star. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would still have to say that uh, for like an action horror, I would still say like Dawn of the Dead, or not Dawn of the Dead, uh, Re- Night of the Living Dead, uh, the original one, and uh, I love the 1990 remake. I'm not a big the, fan of remakes. I typically don't do them. The 90s remake is okay. I liked it a lot. I thought that because uh, it, it still took place in the '60s. The the clothes in the car all mirrored. Um, I it's at, at the I it's at the it's at the end when you see the hillbillies and stuff. That's right. They're they're driving newer pickups and they're using like AR-15s. You know what? And stuff, that's right. So. I totally forgot about that. I never even um, thought about that. But it's. I don't dislike it. I've watched it many times. Yeah. It's just it had an impossible task to remake, you know, it's if it's it, like when Gus Van Sant thought he could remake Psycho doing a shot for shot remake. Why and it's would like, you do a shot why, for shot is, remake? Yeah, what is what's, wrong what's with you, point? man? Yeah. The movie's already <laughs> perfect. Yeah, leave it alone. Yeah, like it just pff, shit, I think that Psycho is another one that's like if you've never seen a horror film, it's so good that when you finally see, I mean, it's spoiler alert, right? The grand and his mother in the basement yeah. or in the chair. There is a part of me when I get scared that like everything goes quiet. <laughs> and like it happened during um, when we saw Blair Witch in the theater. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Which at yeah, that yeah, point at the time it was a great marketing ploy. When oh, we when no one knew. Marketing ploy. Yeah. yeah it was when we saw it in the theater, it was like right everybody was like, Is it real? Is it fake? Still couldn't tell you. It's yeah. probably fake. <laughs> but we saw it and like it was the first time I've heard an audible scream in the theater. Nice. Like I remember it because it went like quiet. It was like ah! <laughs> It's the best. It was such the best. Just this crazy moment. But you guys both saw the new uh, John Krasinski film, right? Yes. Yeah. A Quiet Place. A Quiet Place is, I love it. It's great. Fantastic. Yeah. 
it's uh it's uh some of those movies when we were talking about this earlier like especially with a film like that it's a clever concept it's a simple clever concept there's really not much to it you know you have this like weird entity of a monster and no one knows really much about it and then I, I won't give it away. I don't know. You know yeah, I mean, but, the, um, all I know is that they can't make a sound. Right, which is it's a, a weird enough concept that once you start watching it and, and it makes it, it's, it's terrifying. And then uh, the characters and the situations they put themselves in before even stuff happened. Like I, like I said, I don't want to give anything away, but like I, I was freaked out the entire time. Like I was gripping my chair. And uh, you, it was silent in the theater the whole time. Uh, it was just freaked. That movie freaked me out. Just totally yeah. freaked me out. It seems tense. It's and it's only an hour and a half. It's ten, yeah, it's an hour and a half long. Like just fast. It just clips. <laughs> but man, you don't realize it's an hour and a half when you're just gripping your chair yeah. the whole yeah. time. Like, you couldn't. You oh couldn't. Oh my god! Bear I don't want to be here anymore. This is freaking me out. Yeah, I and I I warned him before he saw it. You know. You're going to hear every single yeah. person in the theater chewing. <laughs> yep. Yeah, and that's exactly and what it was. There was there was a reporter for NPR who saw it by herself, um, and she was just like, she recorded herself, and you just heard, <laughs> 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 um, like you could hear that's like so the popcorn like echoing <laughs> across the theater. That's so crazy. <laughs> Horror movie or not, any movie. That is such a crazy bold choice. Yeah. In today's Marvel, super loud. Super, yeah, 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 yeah. Like to go one eighty out and just and be just like, hold that audience to not move or don't make a sound because they're watching this. It's just so clever. Um, I'm gonna kind of veer off for a second, but uh, go ahead. I've been really paying attention to those, like really, like those those simple, clever scripts that do really, really well, and and they're popping up once in a while. One of my favorite films right now is um, uh, Gravity with uh, Sandra Bullock, yeah. and uh, Clooney, Alfonso Cuarón. Yeah, it's it's one of my all time favorite films because it's um, uh, it, it's such a, a very very clever sc- uh, script. It's just simple. It's like two people. You know, it starts off with like three or four. But basically, it's like two people lost in space. How do we fill time? Mm-hmm. And there's a small bit of dialogue between her and Clooney when they're floating back to the space station. And that's when you kind of start realizing a little bit of her background, like mm-hmm. her daughter that passed away and, and stuff like that. But they don't go too much into that. A, a lot of that. They, they, they just keep that conversation just, just enough, you know. Uh, and the rest of the time, like, it's just her. It's just this woman in space, and uh, like I, I can't move. Like, it, like they did such a clever job with the cinematography of putting yourself in her shoes. Uh, oh, and just the just the thought of being in the vastness of space and having no way back. It's horrifying. It's terrifying to me. It's like being in open water. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's exactly what it is. It's, it's one of the most terrifying. Like, that movie, like, gave me, like, everything of anxiety that's ever I've had. It's, like, through the roof watching that. You know, when she gets yeah. flung out into space and she's oh, just yeah. spinning. Spinning and spinning and spinning. And spinning. Like, oh, that's... And I can't talk. I can't breathe. I can't even make a sound because it's yeah. so horrifying. You know? Um, yeah, and Alfon- and Alfonso Cuarón is really good and at, score for at it. doing that. Oh, yeah. Um, like, with Children of Men... He's got a couple sequences that are just fantastic. 
And the one that I think of every time when I think of, um, granted, it's not completely one take because they did cheat a little bit, like going through a doorway where it's dark and then coming out. Yeah. Um, but that is one of the longest single takes yep. of any movie. It's a, it's a, uh, How long is that take? Because oh, I've been really fascinated with that kind of stuff too lately. Oh God, I think the take was like eight minutes or something. Like really? It was ridiculous. And it was like, all right, everybody, we need to get this in one take. And that's the most fascinating part about like when, when you do that unedited, those long takes. Um, one of my favorite movies is uh, Boogie Nights by uh, mm-hmm. Paul Thomas Anderson. Yep. He's, he's really good at, at long takes too. Yeah, yeah. and... Um, like I've listened to a bunch of interviews, and he said, "Yeah, I stole this from this director. Like he's just a fanboy, which is awesome. But he makes it to his own. But uh, all those long scenes, like the uh, uh, you know the opening with the club or the or the pool party scene. The the is the pool party where um it's he goes and shoots his wife. No, no, no. That's the uh, the the New Year's Eve scene, like the, in the middle the of New the New Year's movie, Eve scene, which is, is the same like that brilliant. one long take. Yeah, that's that's a brilliant sequence it, it, it's clever because it's shifting your focus to these different <laughs> stories and i loved like the yep. pool party scene where <laughs> like the camera just kept on moving to each person and what i think about these days is like the amount of timing and like all the extras like how specific well, and the, the preparation that goes that's into what I'm saying, that? just yeah, yeah, that yeah. specific timing for that camera just to, like as soon as it comes up you're in the middle of a sentence you know and why he did that is uh because he was trying to visually get across to the audience that film is very expensive back in the 70s and porn didn't have a lot of money. Mm-hmm. So they couldn't afford to edit film. Mm-hmm. So in Dirk Diggler's first scene, uh, uh, William H. Macy's like, Are you, do you feel good? Do you want to do a, a dry run? Do you want to do rehearse? Do you want to like go over lines? He's like, no, I'm good. He's like, okay, great. That's fine. But whatever you do, don't stop. If you drop a line, you keep going. It doesn't matter what you do. You finish the scene. Mm-hmm. And they never explain why, but then I, I started di- doing some digging and come to find out it was to visually get across that porn could not afford to edit film because it was very, very <laughs> expensive, which I thought was just really, really clever. That's amazing. You know, yeah, that's uh, great. Lauren wanted to give me, uh, we, him and I got into it a couple of times and, uh, because he was he was referencing like well they did in Goodfellas like Scorsese did these long takes I'm like yeah everyone's done these long takes that's not the Spielberg oneer is is famous like he's famous for doing long takes right. that fly underneath the radar right like uh, Jaws yeah the uh, there's a scene in Jaws where they're just on the boat. Yeah. and it's and one you don't realize you it. don't realize that's it. The is it, part is it the uh, where they sing. It's the one where he's explaining uh, to Roy Schneider, so um, the Scheider. mayor, Schneider. Uh, the mayor I is. I love expl- Rob Schneider. Rob, Sch- <laughs> Rob Schneider is, is the shark. Jerp, jerp, jerp. because have you watched every frames of painting? I've not. Uh, it's a YouTube show, and um, he hasn't done one in forever. But Matt and I have watched the Jackie Chan one. Oh, oh it- where he talks about the um the fight. Choreography, yes, like oh, how, yeah, how because Jackie Chan worked in China, he was able to take longer in his production because it wasn't like Hollywood, okay, and oh, the, okay. It, it, like, and it just shows like, in order for Jackie Chan to do this thing seamlessly, this is how many takes it took, <sighs> and they just show like over and over and over and I've over seen some again. of the outtakes of some of those movies that he did, and I was like, he's. Number one, it blew me away that he was doing all of his own stunts. Oh, yeah. Which was insane, on top of the fact that, yeah. 
but what you're but what you're talking about with like long tracking shots, yeah. Um, they they talk about Spielberg's tracking shots because the because they go underneath the radar. I think it's Be- like a little bit more clever to do that too, because it really messes with the audience. Right. Whereas like the snake eyes type of one <laughs> right. you know, where it's just like you're yeah. following the guy through the club, mm-hmm. which same type of thing with yeah. Boogie Nights. Is it different? Well, the the in Kill Bill, the entrance into where the um the House of Blue f- yes. leaves, I think it is. Yep, where they're crazy eighty eights. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Holy Moses. Yeah. That that scene alone. Uh, I remember what we were watching that at uh Specs Howard, uh that scene and it, and I think we were talking about like those long those long pan shots that don't yeah. like it's not cut and it's like holy crap, how is he doing this? How are they doing this with cameras? How are they moving this around? How is this even possible? Well, so right. you've seen Children of Men, right? I have not. Oh man, well then that's, that's your that's your homework for I'll the week, man. Go watch that. Children of Men um because there are at least three sequences in the movie that have really long so one take. I can't imagine and how many takes to do that. Oh, the the one at the end, they had one take where it was like, mind. look, guys, we're blowing up fucking buildings and shit. Right, you need right, to right. get this right. So they probably rehearsed it a bunch of times. A ton of dry runs for sure. But once they filmed, it was and like, all right, like guys, one take, yeah. you got to get this. Go. Um, but just, it's such a kinetic scene and the, like just watching the sequence in the end and I won't spoil anything for you, but when they get to this one location and you see everybody's reaction to what happens, like I just like can't speak where I'm just like, oh. nice. <coughs> Because it's it's such a, it's such a like a I don't want to say a gut punch, but like it really grabs you, and it's just like, holy shit! Like if I was in that situation, like I would have no idea what to do. I would just be dumbfounded, and you just see everybody not know what to do yeah. when it happens. And once you watch it, you'll know what I'm talking sure. about. Um, but it just. Every time I watch it, it really hits me like right in the chest. So we we got to land the show, okay? Uh, but uh, I wanted to get any closing thoughts that you have on this before we go into our last segment. Okay. Um, I don't know if I have one now. Now I feel like I'm on the spot. That's fine. But uh, <laughs> with like that type of like like filming and, and why these directors are doing these specific ways. It, it like it fascinates me. The more I, I think about film and the more I study it and the more I pay attention to what they're doing and how they're doing it. And more importantly, why are they doing this? Mm. That's like the big, big thing. Intent. Like, yeah, yeah. What was the purpose of this? Like no one's doing this. Like, you know, Kubrick doesn't do anything. Like most like half the films, like it's very specific of why they're doing these things. Paul Thomas Anderson's very specific of why he's doing oh, these so things. So is Christopher Nolan. If yeah, you yeah, if yeah. you ever watch anything about the prestige, it's it's <laughs> have you seen it? I have not. Oh, the procedure. That's I think a that's second, streaming second right piece. now. I think yeah. it is. I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's one I've been wanting. I've oh, been eyeballing yeah, for a while. it's. I really like that film. Is that it Edward is. Norton? Yes. Yes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it, um, it's it's not Edward Norton. No. It's, no. Um, that was the that was the yes. illusionist. Oh, okay, yeah. The prestige is um, Christian Bale. Christian Bale. That's what it 
Yeah. Uh, Wolverine. <laughs> um, fuck, what's his Logan. name? Logan. Uh, Hugh Jackman. <laughs> Hugh Jackman. Uh, and Michael Caine. Okay. Um, and then um, some Scarlet an- ancillary characters. Yeah. Um, but I can't spoil anything. I just I was watching something the other day about it, and they were showing how nolan sets all these things and he's we watched it together well i was watching other stuff oh shit okay um the other day and just how expertly he does it and it really just watch the movie i can't i can't spoil anything for you i can't do it i can't do it so you reach the part of the show where you get to talk about what you're into right now and i think we're already in that vein pretty much so if somebody (laughs) wanted to get in on what you're doing what's the best thing for them to do um is it movie pass because i didn't even know about this thing so i'll make this really quick because i kind of talked about a little bit here but uh so once i started going to specs howard and i really started taking films seriously and i was really really paying attention of what was happening, whether it was like older films, which I'm very, very fascinated how they did a lot of stuff oh, versus yeah. now. Uh, like Nightmare on Elm Street is one of my favorites, and I would never see the remake just because of like, fi- like when I was a kid seeing that movie, like w- with the blood coming out of the bed mm-hmm. and going on the wall and the ceiling. I'm like, how do they do this? I'm freaking out. And then I got I was like, how did they fucking do this? Like, that's or insane. Like how with the, no CGI. How the, how the hand with the razors comes up between her legs right. and goes back down. Yeah, it's like, how are they doing this? And you, know, you find out they built this room upside down mm-hmm. to pour the blood from the ceiling, which is the bed, which is on the on the ceiling. It, yeah. it blows my mind to to do that and remake it with CGI. It's just it's a slap in everyone's face, in my opinion. It's it just rings hollow to me. Yeah, too. It, it's yeah. just they're just marketing a name. Um, but so, yeah, I made it a point to go see one movie in the theater a week. You know, a lot of people hate going to the movies because of kids and, like, people talking and, and, like, cell phones. Like, I'm at that point where, like, I want all of it. I want the experience. There's a reason why movie theaters exist. Yeah. I, um, I try to go see movies when I can. Yeah. I, I don't get upset when I there's obnoxious people or people talking. I was like, this is what it's supposed to be. It's not supposed to be like that, but that's what it is. And, and People and, are people. Yeah. There's not you know, much you can anyone do can that. download a movie. Anyone can get anything... Mm-hmm. It, it could be out just released now, and you well, have it on your computer. It's David Lynch going, is this how you want to watch Lawrence of Arabia? And right. he's holding up his phone. Yeah, and that's kind of what it is, you know? Like, there's so much. And uh, so I was doing this for uh, better of, like, two years now. Um and it's burning a hole in my pocket. You know, it's like 13, 14 bucks to go see a movie. But I was also seeing all the cult movies like over at the Main Art Theater in mm-hmm. Redford and like Streetside Cinema, like all the bars and restaurants. Anyone that play it, I'd go see it. Um, and it was still expensive, even though the cult movies were a little bit cheaper. But then I got Movie Pass, and that's 10 bucks a month. Uh, you get to see one movie in the theater a day. Uh, and that after that, like sometimes I'll see like two or three movies in a week. You know, or if I'm just flat out bored and there's nothing to do and no one's around, or it's like a Sunday, like I saw it's a terrible movie, uh, Hurricane Heist. Oh my god! Oh my god! Yeah. And, yes. And I, I, I think I was hungover from the night before, so I, I, I didn't want to like sit at home like a loser on a Sunday being hungover. <laughs> I, I, I just. What's wrong with that? I wanted to. But once I started doing it, I was like, I don't like this. So I was like, I'm going to get up. I'm going to go to a movie and, and probably fall asleep. Right. So like, I feel like I'm out doing something. Right. Even though I did the exact same thing, I'm just in another space to do it at. <laughs> right. Uh, <laughs> at least so I'm I, out taking a nap. It, it was nice. So I literally put earplugs in. 
because it's loud enough to begin with. Yeah. Um, but so to muffle out a little bit, and then I just curled, I put my jacket over me, and I totally <laughs> nodded off. Like, I had no idea what happened with the hurricane or how they got away. But it was amazing that I just got, cause like, like, you know, sometimes, like, what are you going to do? I'm a single dude. I'm a single nerd. You know what I mean? I don't, and there's those times where I got nothing to do. And I'm like, I'll go do that because that's what it is. And now I'll see anything. I'll literally see it. I've seen so many crap movies because my friends are like, I want to see this. I'm like, yeah, I'll see that. I saw The Greatest Showman. Terrible. I would never see that movie. I, number one, I don't care much for musicals. That one, it was very obvious that they recorded all the songs in a studio. Like, it was literally like watching a giant. So clean. Like a long, like, it was like a long music video. It made no sense. Um, I saw, what is it, Bad Moms? That was terrible. My friend wanted to go see it around Christmas. Uh, that's when I, like, I went and went and saw uh, Medea's Halloween. Boo too? <laughs> I saw both. Oh and, no! And, and I, I'm such a nerd for this kind of stuff. Like one day, I don't know why it occurred to me. I'm like, you know what? It's a Halloween movie. It's probably gonna be really bad, but probably really funny. I want to go see this. Did it have Tyler Perry's in the title? If yeah. it did, it's not gonna be a good movie. No, it was terrible filming. It was terrible everything. Um, but I got to like when the first one came out like two years ago. I got different people to go with me on different occasions. So I saw the movie you about saw it three more than times once. in the theater, and I paid full price. Oh, oh man! No. And I had and, and you are why these movies keep happening. <laughs> I pay. I, I gave Tyler Perry a lot of money in the last like three years. Uh, <laughs> didn't really realize that. So when I first went there, I went with my friend Carrie, and we were like movie buddies for like a long while. And uh, we we go to like the Birmingham Eight, and um, I'm like one for uh, Medea, please. And my friend just. Died of laughter. Was like, I bet you never thought in a million years those words would come out of your mouth. <laughs> and so the second one, Medea 2 came out, the Halloween part, boo. Um, I didn't even have to find people. Everyone started like, dude, did you know that Medea part 2 is out? Do you want to go see this? I'm like, yeah. So it was like me and like like Vince and Tim Lally, like Vince Sabatini, like Vince's wife, uh, Christina. Like there was like seven people that wanted to go see Medea Halloween part oh, boo man. with me. Like that's ridiculous. That's just stupid. <laughs> but it's it's, it's pretty stupid. Kind of rad. I don't, I don't know how. To, it's I, super funny. Yeah, it's the most. I'm like, I don't know how this is a thing. But now people want to go see the Medea Halloween movies with me. But I love seeing film. I love seeing crap. I love like tearing it apart. I love like they put money into that piece of crap. Film. Oh God. Yeah. Oh yeah, they did. Like that's the thing. There was grips. There was union people. On I mean, that, that, film. that put people in. Pl- you like, know, that that's made the thing that blows employed. my mind. I think yeah. about that. Yeah, and I think about those. Kind there of were things. red cameras involved. Yeah. 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 It's like. Terrible editing, terrible writing, terrible execution, terrible everything. And that's probably why people love it. But, like, my one friend, we went and saw it, and uh, she didn't want to go, but I talked her into it, and uh, she laughed. And I was like, you cared about that movie, too, didn't you? She's like, yeah, there was the part where he's talking to his daughter, and I felt for him. <laughs> and I was like, and you laughed your ass off, too. She's like, yeah. I was like, that's what he does in 90 minutes for people. That's Medea. It's terrible, but yeah. Uh, so that would be like one of the suggestions because if, if you can get a movie pass, they're super easy and you can see one movie a day. Uh, I can't believe it's one movie a day. Well, what they're doing is the, uh, the theaters this summer took a massive, massive hit because there wasn't a whole lot of films. Um, the movie Detroit came out that flopped, which was a very yeah. big disappointment. Um, I read a review and they're saying it would have done better if they would have put it in October or September, but Catherine Bigelow was very adamant about it releasing the week of, of the yeah, actual yeah, yeah. anniversary. Yeah, 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 yeah. No one wants to watch a riot uh, and people being beat for like, t- it was a borderline mm-hmm. a snuff film at one point. 
in the middle of July. No. I don't. No, that's popcorn movie time. Yeah. Um, so that would be one suggestion. The rest is just uh, listen to your friends and be a nerd. Look at the, all the uh, Netflix has them. Uh, Hulu has it. Amazon Prime. If you don't, buy all from someone's uh, account. There's a multiple ways. Um, it's fun. Horror is a lot of fun. And I, as I've gotten older, too, I, I like those those thrillers and those those short scripts like uh, It Follows. That scared the crap out of me. And that was made in Michigan, although yeah. it was a bigger budget. But it's a simple it's a simple it's concept. Simple. It so wasn't a big simple. budget, though. No, I mean, no, no. It was, I mean, it was low budget by most but with factors. Nice but, it, but, but they did right. a really good job with it's writing. It's a clever idea. And that's the thing that I really pay attention to with like storytelling and script writing is like, what what am I watching and why? That's why I like Get Out. I was like... Yeah, yeah, that's brilliant. And that's a simple, weird kind of... Interta- I mean, like once I saw it at the end, I was like, huh, it was kind of like watching a, a Key and Peele Halloween sketch because they have a Halloween episode that's super weird and dark. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. If you're Like once that, you find out that Jordan Peele's favorite... Genre is horror and, and rewatch Keen Peel. Right, so many of those sketches they take end, dark turns and dark. I loved uh, the Family Matters episode where uh, 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 Carl Winslow, I can't remember, uh, uh, Reginald, Reginald Bell Johnson. Yeah, yeah, him and the producer or whatever for NBC or whatever the station was were going back and forth around Coke. And it's funny, I could watch Key and Peel just argue in those costumes. For 20 minutes and just never get bored. But then it takes that dark turn yes. where Steve Urkel's like, You lost me. You completely lost me because it gets in this really, really weird. It, it's funny. I, I thought it was still good. But uh, yeah, that's why that makes sense. I enjoyed the Gremlins 2 pitch. Oh my <laughs> God. That, that was so great. That was so great. You get a Gremlin. <laughs> All right. Uh, Maddie, what are you into this week? Oh, man. Uh... Shoot, I had I had something locked and loaded, and I forgot what it was because I was too busy enjoying the conversation. So oh, well, uh, I ruined it. Yeah, thanks <laughs> a lot, guys. <laughs> I still want to go see uh, Isle of Dogs, but the animation creeps me out. Just oh, you don't like you don't like that kind of animation? it. Just makes me uneasy. But uh, Fantastic Mr. Fox, the the animation was pretty mirrored to it. Yeah, yeah. yeah and very, I didn't realize it because I love that movie. Uh, so I'm definitely gonna go see it. But yeah. I can't think of anything off the top of my head, Manny. All right. Well, think about it, and I will try to cover it right here with... Oh, shit. Um, so part of um, part of the podcasts that has been interesting to me is finding out how many people are listening to the show. Yeah. Uh, because up until now, it's been pretty vague and very difficult uh, to find out. You know, you um, we host through Squarespace, and Squarespace has the tendency just to tell you how many people are on your RSS or subscribe right. to the RSS or have been to the RSS in a day. Yeah, but a lot of those could be bots. A lot of those could be web crawlers yeah. or things like that. It's not actual downloads. So it's up until now we've we've not really had any metrics for the show. And now I found this thing. It's called Blueberry, but it's B L U B B R Y, B R R Y. Yeah, Blueberry. Yeah, B R R Y. Correct. Not blubber. Not blubbery. Blubbery. Ah, <laughs> uh, guys, are you into blubbery? Oh, I'm hip to that scene, man. Yeah, it's a, it's, I'm in. It's where a cuckold watches a whale have <laughs> sex in front of him. <laughs> oh, I thought we were talking about something else. I'm out. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Throw ropes. Uh, <laughs> um, so, 
I I now subscribe to uh, Blueberry for three of the podcasts that okay. we do, and we're actually getting numbers, and it's some of it is a rude awakening where I was like, I thought we were way higher than that. Yeah, you were telling me about the other one. I was, it blew my mind. I'm like, really? Because it seems like why isn't everyone listening to this? Right, and then yeah, I forget, I forget that there's a certain demographic. Yeah, but certain... it, what it helps me kind of do is to be like, okay, where should I put? money or what should i do to get the word out more um but um one of the things i've been thinking about doing and have not done yet is kind of just doing um because i I like gary vaynerchuk i I think i've talked about him on the show and he's like document don't create don't worry about having to create content because i'm always like you know when we do the shows i'm like we are we're making content right (laughs) you know and then it's like you know True, but like you could document the creation process. You could document this. You could document that, um, and you could just cut that up. And you could put that instead of having to come up with new stuff, just keep cutting it up. So, like one of the things that I've been thinking about doing and haven't been doing very well is like chopping up old episodes to pull out good stories and things like that Mm -hmm. to put on Facebook. Because like the thing that I come to is like you're on the show right now, and I don't know if you are a listener to Matters or if you heard a couple episodes but yeah. don't listen anymore, which is totally fine. I'm not putting you on the spot trying to make <laughs> I'm you... I'm putting you on the spot, though. I've listened to <laughs> half of an episode. There it is. Uh, but, like, why would somebody who's not us yeah. listen to the show? Right. You know, and part of it is, like, well, that's why we're having guests on because I think Matt and I did nearly 100-plus episodes <laughs> with just the two of us. Yeah. So it's like we've... We know that we can talk. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's like, but we're not going to bring in more new listeners in an easier way than a guest to be like, hey, you're going to be on the show. If you don't mind, put it on your Facebook page. That right, really right. would help us out. Yeah. And like, oh, cool. And now we might have one or two people that listen, and one of them never listens again, but one of them does and becomes a fan. Right. So like, that's that's what I'm into. I'm in, in business development, I business. guess, is what I'm into this week. <laughs> uh, and of course, my daughter, because she is the best. She scares me. Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> she. Uh, we have a picture. We had like a couple pictures in a row, and um, because she's so young. Um, she, her hands are clenched, which is very common with babies. And she has a very strong startle reflex. And the startle reflex is like her arm will just straighten. So there's a series of pictures with Catherine where like her hands are low. And then she brings her hands up and like Catherine puts her dukes up. <laughs> and then <laughs> there's one with just uh, Rosemary's fist right in the air smiling. This little Ka- John Bender going on. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> just knocking Catherine out. <laughs> It's the best, man. Awesome. Maddie, what do you got? Uh, Oh, God. So what I was into this past week was animals having their own Instagram accounts. Yes! Because I've I've realized recently, if a person adds me or, you know, starts to follow me on Instagram, um, I have, like, this little flow chart internally where it's like, all right, well, do I know you? If I know you, do I yeah. want to follow you? Um, If I don't know you, I'm going to kind of look at some of your pictures, look at your description, blah, blah, blah. And if I've done that, do I still want to follow you? On the other side of, are you an animal? Yes, follow. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, 
that's so, how I that's how I followed eggnog the bulldog. <laughs> like, God. You're, yeah, you're like I've, I've talked about Zuka before, but Zuka and Zuka's kittens. She's a pit bull that like helps this woman who fosters kittens, um, like get the cats acclimated because a lot of times they're um they're either rescues or they're strays or they're feral, and the dog helps them to socialize, yep. and so like she puts pictures up all the time, uh, and a lot of live videos and stuff, and so. Um, because Google and its algorithm knows me really well. Mm. Uh, a lot of times in my Google Now feed, I get a lot of animal things, and it's like, well, all right, I think I can emotionally handle this story. I'll read it while I'm on the can, and it comes up, and it's like, all right, I'm scrolling through, and then there's a bunch of pictures, and it's like, well, I guess I can follow that account, <laughs> 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 and then like it comes up with more suggestions, and then I follow those, and. Eventually, it's it's gonna be. I'm gonna be following a thousand animals, but uh, hey, that's that's a good place to go. Yeah, it's yeah. better. It's better than following a thousand idiots. But uh, the one that I followed, that I'll have to show you a picture of this. This woman um, is a teacher of special needs kids, and when she was leaving the house, she encountered a special needs kitten that was on the porch meowing and so she like picked it up and she's like all right where's your family and they weren't around and she's like well if i don't take you home you probably die so i'm gonna take you home she took it home she took it to a um a rescue and they were like well no, i'm sorry not a rescue she took it to like a shelter and the shelter was like well if you leave it here we'll probably put it down ah, because it it had like i don't want to say a messed up face but like it's got deformities and so she was like well then i will be taking it home thank you very much and she brought it home and she's got a boxer and the boxer like just walked right up and was just like oh this is my this is my new friend and then just like started licking it and then they there are pictures of these two where like either the dog is resting its head on the cat or the cat is resting its head on the dog where it was like all right these unlikely friends. <laughs> I will follow you to like a really creepy degree. <laughs> Very Milo and Otis. Yeah, yeah, it's it's really cute, and it doesn't make me think about the dumpster fire that's going on that with is everything the else. Current political yeah. landscape. So Magic. there we go. All right, <laughs> um, Josh. If people want to get, if you want people to get in contact with you, how could they do it? Uh, you can find me on Facebook, uh, Josh Campos. Um, I don't know what else. How where else would you find me? There you go. That's um, it. Yeah. Uh, I also have a um, like with a small handful of followers. I have a, a Twitter handle uh, called Movies On Tops Off. Because uh, for like a long while, I thought it'd be really funny when people are talking about, like, I just graduated. And I just comment, take your top off. Uh, <laughs> people take themselves too seriously. Like, I'm going to feel my feelings. It's okay to get mad. <laughs> take your top off. It, it's nothing sexual. It's just a jerk thing to say to kind of like relax. It, you're, you're trolling and, them? Kind of. Okay. Uh, <laughs> but, 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 but I'm not a dick about it. It's just like kind of funny and random, and it really has nothing to do with anything. And then eventually I did it enough to where people do it to me now. And then, uh, But also, while insinuating male and female take their tops off at graduations or whatever they're doing, um, I was also, for like the last like couple of years, um, last like year or so, um, I will... <laughs> 
I would come home drunk from like after school. Like I I go off some steam and I get home and like it's two o'clock in the morning. Like Stand by Me is on like AMC. I'm like, oh man, people need to know about this great movie. It's on right now. So I I I'd post like Stand by Me is on right now on AMC. And then I kind of started doing it a little bit more and more to where like this is on, this is on, like this movie's on, like all these like movies and whatever. Uh, to the point where like last uh, October. I was just doing every single horror movie. <laughs> like at one point, yeah, I was doing yeah. the Halloween series. I'm like, Halloween one is on. I had the day off, so uh, two hours later, I'm like, Halloween two is on right now. And then I finally was like, Fuck this! The entire series of Halloween is playing all day. Please watch this. Mm-hmm. And people liked it a lot, so that's when I started trying to like. Someone's like, you should probably do that. You'll probably get some followers or something. I was like, I don't know. All right, cool. What do I call myself? I had no idea. I'm like, it's stupid. I got nothing. Movies on, tops off, and people like it. So you can find me on there, and I'll let you know when Roseanne's going to be on next or whatever kind of crappy movie. It, it, let me be uh, very uh, uh, honest about this. Every film I post that is on, it's basic cable or network TV. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not always watching them. I would happen to sometimes get home, the TV's on, I'll flip really quick, like, oh, sweet, like, A League of Their Own is on. I'm going to post about that, and I'm going to keep scrolling. <laughs> so people are like right. you can't possibly be watching those movies. I was like, I never said I'm watching. I'm just telling or you. Or just telling on. people know so they can watch it themselves. That's I get what it. it is. It's it. like these it. sweet movies, and like most of them are like pretty great, iconic movies that maybe we haven't seen in a while. Or whatever. I'm like, I want to know when Jaws is on. I want to know when League of Legends mm-hmm. is on. I want to know like when Honey I Shrunk the Kids is on. I want to know like even bad movies. Like I want to know when Ladybugs is on. <laughs> I want to know when that Baby kid from Sequest is on hanging out with Rodney Dangerfield. <laughs> Both rest in peace. But yeah, uh, it's really stupid. But so you can follow me it. on there. I love it. I yeah, love it. you can follow me on uh, Twitter. Uh, add some likes, uh, and then if you want to talk to me through Twitter or Facebook, you can always message me, and I'm I'm always down to hang out or just chat some movies or uh, I'll go see movies by myself. So if you want to hang out with me? We'll go do that too. Love it. You can get in contact with the show at MattersPod on Twitter, at MattersPod on Facebook. I am at Matt Noss on Twitter. I am at Cardi Dracula. Josh, thank you so much for joining us. This is awesome. Thank you so much. It was so super much. fun, man. Yeah, yeah. I love it. Um, and we will see you on the next episode of Matters. Matters. <laughs> oh, it's too late. It's too I guess not. The Stray. <laughs> I can't believe you caught us off. His name is Matt. His name is Matt. And that's all that matters. <laughs> <laughs> it was a good try. It was, it was a, a solid try. try.